Thanks for stopping by. I'm Corey Edwards, uh, writer, director, comedian, uh, buckaroo bonsai apologist. I don't know. I'm glad you're stopping by and spending a little bit of your time with me this week in your ear holes. Hey, uh, and when you stop by, you know, maybe we'll have coffee. Maybe we'll also play some board games, some old fashioned games, some, what do they call them? Table, tabletop games. Because uh, we're big fans of tabletop games here. My my kids play a lot of video games, and uh, they've kind of left me behind in the dust. But these are games that I more I, I plug in more to games that involve like everybody around the table. Uh, Mario is not involved. It's uh it's uh, some dice. Um, I have a hard time with the RPGs, as I've said before, um, which my kids also love. My kids and their some of their friends. Uh, are deep into the RPGs, the role-playing games. Uh, but a lot of those involve math, I'll be honest, or they involve like uh, a point system. Uh, there's a lot of data involved. So I'm talking about like, sorry, Trivial Pursuit. Uh, we get into some boggle. We'll do some big, intense boggle sessions. We used to be big on boggle, um, our family, just our family of four. Um, and, uh, we would do it, uh, after dinner. We would just, uh, for about a week or two, we just got way into boggle. It, it would boggle your mind, as they say. Um, but then we had, um, uh, oh, Bananagrams. Gotta mention Bananagrams. We love Bananagrams so much, we bought two banana bags of Bananagram tiles so we could play, like, I guess, super Bananagrams? Um, if you don't know what Bananagrams are... Um, you will when you come over to my house, but also, uh, just get into it. It's like speed scrabble. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good fun. Uh, but then we had some friends, uh, come and spend a little time with us. Uh, we are good friends with some people in Montreal. Spent a shout out to Montreal. Spent about three years there working on a project. Um, and then my, uh, went to a church there, got to know the pastor and his family there. Turns out they got kids the same age as our kids. Turns out we're lifelong friends now. So shout out to the McGregors and shout out to Kingston and Sterling, uh, the two kids who they uh, they were at a camp here in Dallas. And then after the camp, they spent a couple days with us and our family. So it was just the two of them. And so my kids and their kids, uh, uh, man, they just talked the same language, had a good time. And we did play some games, video and tabletop. And it's always nice when another family interacts with yours. You you get introduced to a lot of games, like on a game night. Um, and these two kids introduced us to a game called Snake Oil, which I feel like I have to shout as an old prospector. Um, or maybe, you know, a, a traveling medicine man who sells snake oil. Ladies and gentlemen, or who's that guy? Oh, you got trouble right here in River City. Right here in the Music Man, I'm going to sell you some snake oil, and I'm going to sell you a couple trombones, just a couple trombones, just a couple trombones. Why don't you buy some couple trombones? Uh, but but snake oil is uh, is a fun game, and you know what? I, I guess apparently they had a, a game that you buy, but I'm here to tell you, you don't need to buy anything if you want to play snake oil. I'm not even going to sell you the snake oil of buying the game snake oil, because all you need is a stack of index cards and a little bit of time and a little bit of improv creativity. Uh, basically what you do. So, so after Kingston and Sterling left, they told us all about the game. We said, you know what? Uh, let's play some snake oil this weekend. So my family got around the table and, um, you, you take, <laughs> you take some index cards. I cut some index cards in half to make more cards. And then you pass out like 20 cards to each person. And then, uh, we all take turns writing one word on each card. One word, just words, bookcase, lampshade. Uh, dandelion, poodle, coffee cup. Uh, that's two words. Okay, I'm out. But you know what I'm saying? You write uh, a word. Bottle. So you just write words on all these cards. Then you shuffle the cards, and then everybody draws two cards. And you draw two cards, you put them side by side, and that's the product that you have to sell to the rest of the table. Just like snake oil. That's the product you have to sell. So we had a great time <laughs> trying to sell each other things like uh, candle cycle and avocado phone and uh, stump wheel, 
Burp jelly. That was one of mine. I sold everybody burp jelly. Boy, wait, wait, wait till you hear the spiel on that and why you need burp jelly. And then we went to a bonus round. We just made this up. You draw four cards. And so I think Nate sold us a waterfall soldier vacuum workout. And it was a workout program that soldiers use with vacuums under waterfalls. Uh, because we use four words for that one. And what was fun is, uh, first of all, my family's very dramatic, big surprise. We all love to improv and kind of do characters. So each turn was taken, kind of started out with, hello, folks, do you have a problem? Well, here's your solution. Try uh, bicycle gum or whatever it was. Um, what did Vicky have? Telescope whisper. It projected whispers across a crowded room if you want to be flirtatious in a whispery way. Um, and so we were all kind of doing little commercials for each other. What I loved is, uh, um, Nate began the tradition of, you also have to make up a character who's doing the commercial. He was, he starts out, Hey guys, I'm Sawdust Jones. And we're like, Whoa, we're ready. We're ready for whatever Sawdust Jones is, is selling. Uh, another one of his characters was Andy, the arsonist, which I worry guys, I worry a lot about. I think about Andy and I wonder where he is and I, I, I want to call the cops on him. Um, <laughs> and you maybe put on an accent or whatever. And uh, so it was a lot of fun. So uh, I bought an avocado phone. Uh, I got some burp jelly. And uh, we really enjoyed... Oh, yeah. And then, of course, there was the uh, uh, the product Snake Tube. It's a tube that sucks up snakes. And, and of, of course, Snake Tube also runs under the ground of your property. So you shoot the snakes out into the ocean. At least that's the way the product works, as I understand it. So we all enjoyed stuff uh, uh, that we sold each other, playing the game Snake Oil. So that's my recommendation for you. While we're being creative here this week, and that's what this podcast is all about, is creative people doing creative things, is that now you can create your own version of, pause for effect, Snake Oil! Um, and uh, and it's on cards. It's not a, it's not a bleep blah bloop device. It's not a... You don't need anything digital. You could probably play it in the car. Um, you don't need a, a a phone or an iPad, so so it won't it won't get sticky. I say that because I don't know. Do you guys have kids? Whenever they hand you whatever d- remote control or iPad, or I, I hand them my phone to look something up and they hand it back within minutes, it's sticky. It's got some kind of schmutz on it. It's got some kind of sticky, smudgy, just a little bit of a waxy fingerprint all over it. I'm like, what? Are, my, like, Vicky is convinced they uh, they have some kind of tree frog uh, serum on them. They're like little tree frogs. You give them something, and when you hand it back, it's all sticky and gummy from their tree frog hands. It's not even when they're eating. It's just like I could go hand them the remote right now for the TV, and then they hand it back to me, sticky and waxy. It's like... Sticky Kid Wax. Maybe that's a product I'll sell on snake oil. Um, so we got a great uh, guest uh, today. We talked to, I love to talk to people of all creative disciplines. We've talked to musicians and um, uh, visual effects people and editors. We had an editor on um, and writers. I love to talk to writers. And uh, we haven't talked to an actor in a while. So we're talking to an actor, uh, Kelly Stables. Boy, what a vivacious, wonderful, energetic person. And, um, oh, you've seen her. You've seen her and stuff. I guarantee it. Go watch Superstore right now. Uh, go watch The Ring. Uh, uh, go watch uh, The X's on TV Land. Uh, 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 and turning into Jeff Goldblum again for no, no reason, no reason at all to do it. I just do it. Uh, but we'll also check in with uh, one of my kids on our uh, fun What Do the Boys Think segment, because I love it. And that's it. That's what's happening today. Uh, games. Hope you play a game with your family, your friends, your significant others. Or um, um, if you're alone, I'm very sorry. Play some solitaire. Um, but let's get to uh, talking to one of my boys. This week, it's Elliot. Ah, uh, yes. Time for that favorite segment we like to call What, what Do, do the, the Boys think? think? Wow, that was like men's chorus. Because I'm joined today by <laughs> by Elliot, uh, age 15. Hello. Hello. It's so good to be back on the show. Oh, thank you, Elliot. Can you tell the difference between our baritone voices? I, I don't know. See if you can. Man, my man over here <laughs> sounding like uh, Patrick Warburton or something. I don't know what you're talking about, Corey. Yeah. You do a pretty good... Someday, man, someday, I'm going to make you talk to Patrick someday Warburton. Someday I get to meet him. And, you will, and what will you say to him? 
I don't know. That's, I don't know. What would, what would be the line you would quote to him? Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that one. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, what's I, I, I always like to pull you guys aside and say, hey, guys, mm-hmm. hey, guys, what's going on in your world? What's, what's happening in that little TikTok brain ears? That little, that little uh, uh, cuckoo clock that you call a mind. Mm-hmm. It's running like a toaster nowadays. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Because like an ideal just go... <laughs> yeah, that, that's what happens. Okay. Someone loads a thought in and it takes me like a, a two minutes to, to figure it out. Well, you got all excited about uh, uh, your... your would, it, would it be your most favorite show of all time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite show of all time. Well, let's talk about that. Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls is my favorite show. It's a cartoon show for kids, but I don't care. It's it's fantastic. I love it. I don't know that you would call it just for kids. I it's know not really just for a kids, lot of teenagers but... like it too. Yeah, it, and I will say when I sit and watch it with you guys, it is as funny as any. It's as funny as Brooklyn Nine Nine or oh, Parks and Rec. It's it it comes with the jokes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, it's hard to do that to write something that kids that's okay for kids. But it's got so many funny characters in it. It's really great. I, I love I love that show so much. And it just had, I say just, uh, but this video is coming like a month after its tenth anniversary. But right. That's all well, right. that's why I thought we'd talk about it. You got all excited about some tenth anniversary stuff. Yeah. The but be, well, before we do that, let's let's talk about the show for the uninitiated. Okay. What is the show about? So Gravity Falls is a cartoon show that aired on uh, Disney channel i believe and went to disney xd although i might have that backwards it might have been disney xd and then disney channel and it is Look, a show... there's so many disney channels we can't keep track there's you could lot. say it's on on disney x1j and we would accept <laughs> it's, it. a, it's a disney show um and it's about two twins who go to a little town in oregon that where weird stuff happens and lots of weird stuff and they stay at their great uncle stan's uh mystery shack which is a tourist trap full of uh lots of random stuff that he glues together it's really fun. It's got a lot of fun characters. There's a there's a talking triangle in it. It's all it's all good stuff. And it had its tenth uh, anniversary not too long ago. And for it, there were like a couple of little things. And then the big thing is they are releasing. I don't know if it's out yet. I think it is. They are releasing a vinyl uh, a vinyl record of the Gravity Falls songs and maybe some little. Uh, extra things in there for the fans. Full, and I full am, soundtrack. Yeah. I am excited. I, I like records. Records are cool, but man, it like the, even the album art looked amazing when they teased it. It's a double album, right? Yeah, it's got it's got yeah, it's a double album. So there's there's songs because I mean it's not it's kind of a musical show, but every once in a while somebody breaks in the song on the show. Yeah. Or they had a boy band on there called, mm. called Several Times. Several Times is the name of. Was there a Z on the end? Yes. Oh, there so has it's to be several times. So this boy band that was <laughs> that was uh, under some uh, hideous control of some villain. Um, there's but, a lot of songs. But um, so so if there was a song on the show, that's on the album. But also there's uh, score, like just the. Isn't there? There's yeah. some some of the. Yeah, it sounds like there is. There's a lot of great Gravity Falls score that's not like out there on iTunes or anything because shows don't usually do that. But for the 10th anniversary. They they're giving us they're giving it to us. And well, it's, it's got a great theme. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of theme that when the show begins, you don't want to. I don't know if you have the skip intro function now. There, there is, but you don't want to because you want to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's so great. Um, and and it's got a 15 year old excited about vinyl. Like, oh yeah, I know you're gonna buy the vinyl double album, and then we're gonna get it, and we're just gonna stare at it, and then we're gonna go over to <laughs> the one friend we know who has this one guy a turntable. He's got a record player. Yeah. And then we can probably digitize it as well. But, I mean, it, it is going to yeah. be a, a great collector's item. What I loved about vinyl albums, let me just pull you aside, son, and mm-hmm. tell you about the mm-hmm. old days when all the albums were vinyl. You were around during vinyl times, Dad? Oh, sonny boy, pull up a chair. Well, it was it was even a time before cassettes. Well, and, <laughs> and um, you would also get the, the, the cover. I mean, the, the sleeve that it mm. came in was this big, beautiful piece of art. Yeah. And if you got a booklet inside there, it's like this big book. It's like a 10 by 10 booklet of, of art. So I don't know if it's going to contain that, but you were pretty excited nice. about the cover. The cover looks so cool, man. Well, this is a show that because it just ha- it has layers and layers of lore to it. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, you said it's about two kids spending a whole summer at their... Uh, weird great uncles. I mean, I gave you like, the the yeah. quick ten second yeah. pitch. Yeah, but and it's and it's three seasons, right? Three, two seasons, two finite seasons. Yes, it's it's very. I I say it's very short, but it's it doesn't feel short. There's a lot packed in there, but yeah, yeah. it ends pretty quickly, and you're like, wait, what? I lots of mysteries, lots of Easter eggs. But there's so much inside it that you can. Untap. But it has spawned like so much fan art, uh-huh. so much spinoff product, like um, and there's kind of like. 
well, I don't think we're giving away too much that there is a journal that the, yeah. the, that the young boy discovers, yeah. and you can buy that and journal. They sell it. It's it's so cool, and it's full of like notes from we won't say, but just mysterious characters mm. who left this journal in the forest. And I mean, I'm a huge fan, but I don't have that one that like actually has the invisible ink writing in it. They sell that too. It's like layers upon layers of really, really cool stuff. And you love that the the creator is as much a fan of, of secrets and mysteries outside yeah. of the show that he keeps the fans still spinning on Alex it. Hirsch is the man behind the magic. He's so cool. He does all the... He does... He does he's like... He's as big of a fan of the show as most of the fans of the show. Like, he's voices almost half of the characters, and it was kind of his vision, and he's just a really fun guy. He wrote, wrote Did, most of the show. Didn't he create some experience where you had to follow... What do they call it? Uh, uh, ge- geocache kind of clues. Basically, yeah. After the show, uh, after the finale ended, he set up a nationwide—not nationwide, nationwide—I think yeah. scavenger hunt uh, for the Bill Cipher statue, who is one of the uber villains. Yeah. The, the uber villain of the series. He's the talking triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was. It, there's a funny story about that actually. If I can, if I can tell that here, yeah. uh, where once the people actually found it, uh, it was this really cool experience. He he gave away a couple of stuff by the statue, so they got the first. Gravity Falls Journal, so it's like the original almost. Wow. Um, and when when it was uh, all over, uh, Alex Hirsch got like notified by the people that he had put the statue on, like their property. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to put it there. Yeah. So they got all mad at him. They were like, you got to put it somewhere else, and he didn't know and, where to and, put and it. And by statue, we mean like a big, it's a st- big stone statue. A stone statue that looks like it's Indiana Jones would have uncovered it. Like I gr- can't b- imagine how the people who first found it felt, because they, they must have they been real excited. Yeah. But he had to put it somewhere, so he ended up putting it at the tourist attraction that he based the mystery shack on the real place because he and the the gravity falls team before they started the show they went on like a road trip around the oregon area to try and find things to base the show off of oh that's so there's good this stuff. one tourist track uh trap that they based most of the mystery shack on and he put it there is it run by a conniving old money grubbing I, I don't know i've never been but maybe, uh, maybe it is. that is uh, when i ask you where would you like to take a vacation or trip <laughs> yeah maybe you were yeah, like maybe. you were like oregon we got to go to oregon um, and you've, uh, there are other books they put out, like, uh, you got a graphic novel, mm-hmm. is that it? Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple things. There's the Lost Legends graphic novel, which has, like, four stories in it, which is pretty fun. And then there's the Choose Your Own Adventure, uh, Pirate, the Time Pirate's Curse. Wow. Which is, which Those are cool. two different books you can buy? Yeah, yeah. They're two different extra books. Nearly, not nearly enough. And but. they made a they made some little short features as well in between the seasons mm-hmm. to keep shorts. keep the fans entertained. So there's a, there's a good deal of content there if you want to look through it. But but the, how can they see it right now? Is it uh, on? Dis- it's on Disney Plus. Uh, most of it, yeah. The shorts and the show are on Disney Plus, and then the books are like you know available at a bookstore near you. <laughs> bookstore? What's that? <laughs> or that's, on Amazon if you want to buy it. For online. the younger people listening, that's that's a that's an actual building you go to and there are these things called books on shelves and uh, you turn pages. You it's know not an are. actual barn. It's just called Barnes and Nobles. Don't, don't get frightened. <laughs> I've never even thought about that. Barnes and Noble. It's called Barnes and Noble. Yeah. I, I, it's I, not Barnes and Nobles. No, I, I can't say Barnes and Noble. Common mistake. But it has nothing to do with Barnes. Mm-hmm. It's a guy. I guess it's a guy named Mr. Barnes and a guy named Mr. Noble. Mr. Noble. Uh, okay. Well, that's it. So check out Gravity Falls uh, because Elliot really, really wants you to. I and, really want you to. And honestly, you're talking to me today, but Nate is also a huge fan, right? Yes, Nate. Nate and I. I'm a bigger fan, but Nate. Nate is also a very big fan of the Gravity Falls. Show. Now, how else do you find somebody who's a super fan? Um, you you wear one of the several hats they sell. You have pop figures of the characters around their house. You wear. The, the, the t-shirts or you just talk in a funny voice like, hey, I'm Grunkle Stan, come on down to the Mystery Shack or something like that and then fans will flock to you. Wow, you it just did a pretty cool voice, dude. Oh, oh thanks, Seuss. I really appreciate it. Um, and we, we po- I'm pointing to a hat in your room. Yeah. It's not just one of Dipper, Dipper Pines is like the main character, one of them. Mm-hmm. It's not just his hat. It's Dipper's first hat for all those from, big nerds out there. From the pilot? Yes. The so you one. wore that hat. You're, you're working a, a, a summer camp job uh-huh. as a counselor uh-huh. this summer. And did the kid recognize one it? One of the kids was like, yeah. I think one of the kids called it a Mabel hat. So, you know, they, they have like 50% of my uh, my appreciation. But, I yeah, it's really fun when someone notices it. You're like, oh, you're, you're the person who likes what I like. That That's that's what wearing fan-made stuff, or that's what wearing fan stuff is all about. Yes, because then when when you know, you know. It's a great <laughs> way to meet people. Yeah. But if you haven't heard of Gravity Falls, go watch it. Definitely. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, my son, Elliot. Thank you. 
I love you. I love you too. <laughs> That's it for our segment called What, what Do the, the Boys Think? Someday we're going to pick a key for that. Oh, my guest today is an old friend, but I'll tell you what, you've seen her too. If you have turned on your television in the last 10 years or listened to a cartoon, you've probably seen her face or heard her voice, or perhaps she has crawled out of a well and scared you to death. My guest today is Kelly Stables. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on here. Uh, I haven't talked to you in a while, but um, like I say, I, I was just going... So what, what exactly has Kelly been in? She's done a lot of acting and you've been in like a thousand things, I think. Um, I feel like right under a thousand, 998. Yes. You, so. <laughs> like it's, it's so amazing that you have done like kind of leading lady stuff, but you've also done like character actor stuff. That's really quirky. And I think that's just, you got a fun, fun uh, uh, career on both sides of that. Thank you. You know, I always think like, work is work is work, you know, and if you enjoy the work, then you kind of just kind of take what comes your way in a lot of cases. Yeah. I, well, I mentioned the uh, crawling out of a well, we might as well uh, um, check that off the list because were you in the ring or the ring two? which one? So I was actually in both. I had just moved to LA from St. Louis in 2000 <clears throat> and I didn't know anybody. And I threw a, Oh, gosh. I think I signed up for, like, an extras agency to be a background um, actor because I, I didn't know literally anything. And they, and, and they said, get in this well. They're like, well, before that, they're like, hey, get in this monkey suit. And oh, so gosh. I was an extra in Planet of the Apes, like, if you, with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, are like you my, serious? Yeah, yeah. That was, like, my very first job ever. Wow. And through that, I met um, Rick Baker, who did the makeup for that. And um, he went on then to do the Ring movies for the makeup for Samara. Samara. And um, I was the size of a child, but they could work me long hours as an adult without a stage mother. So they ended up calling me in and asking if I would want to like double her. Yeah, um, for all the stuff in, that involved makeup, because that took five and a half hours of makeup to put it on. And then we would shoot all day. On, it was a DreamWorks production, so they had the budget to shoot all day. And then it was an hour and a half just to remove the appliances. And um, so I That's ended crazy. Up doing a lot of the shots in the first movie where there's full makeup. And then when the sequel came about, they called and offered me the part of... Um, of Samara. So I worked every day on that movie. And then I was in London doing a movie, um, looking as myself, not looking as a dead person. <laughs> and they're like, so we're not going to give you a credit for the ring too. And I was like, what? And I was like, I worked every day on that movie. Like there was nobody else as the part, but I guess they used an image of DeVay Chase from the first movie. And she had some really good lawyers. And so they gave her a credit for Samara in the ring too, even though she didn't work on it. And then, but they, at least they thought they were like, well, we'll give her evil Samara. <laughs> what the but, heck? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, what I have read and I, I looked at IMDb today and it looks <laughs> like you are Samara there. So, um, man, welcome to Hollywood, huh? I know, but you know what? It was fine. I got paid. <laughs> I got paid. I know I did it. Right. Got... Well, it, and, yeah. and then uh, you, you've done so many fun, like little parts. I, I, I got to I mean, I'm going to jump around here because jump. Uh, we work together in, uh, in in a kind of a, a sketch and drama group uh, in L.A. Um, and you would always come in and go, well, I'm I think I'm going to be on this sitcom. Well, I think I'm going to be uh, uh, in this commercial. Uh, but it was just, it, you were just, as you say, open to all kinds of eclectic work. But then, um, you know, I, I had forgotten uh, that you were on Two and a Half Men um, for a long time. It was a good run, like 10, 10 episodes or something. Yeah, it was, I think, over the course of three years. So, like, I, I, I never was on when Ashton was on. I was on the whole time when Charlie was still, Charlie Sheen was still on. Are you the reason <laughs> for all that drama? Yeah. I, I 
pretty much am the Tiger Blood. Uh, that's my nickname. So <laughs> Tiger Blood. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It's been a long time since we talked about Tiger Blood. It seemed like that was all we were talking about at the time. That and winning. And now yeah. it's just, you know. And now I guess he's just chilling out. I hope Charlie's chilling out. You got to kiss John Cryer a lot, I think. I got to, well, I did get to kiss Charlie my first episode. And then, yes. And then every other episode, I was like making out with John Cryer. Lovely person. Lovely person. (laughs) He really was. That, you know, I talked, I've talked to some actors and, and other creative people about, you know, that we have jobs that are different than other jobs. That's a weird job to go to work and just be like, hi, hi, do you do? Uh, I'll be kissing you today. Yeah. I guess it's weird the first couple times you have to do it. Like, I remember my very first, like, <clears throat> stage kiss was in high school in uh, the Lafayette High School Theater production of Anything Goes. <laughs> and I was playing Reno Sweeney, and I had to kiss the character Billy. And it was my friend. Uh, my friend, and there was another couple that had to kiss, and they were all like, yeah, no during the rehearsal and my friend Jay who was playing Billy he turned to me and goes look when we have to go out there and kiss he goes we're just gonna do it we're not gonna make a thing of it we're just gonna do it I was like all right so um but we did so then it wasn't a thing and so now it's just pretty much like choreography it's like all right you're gonna walk to the refrigerator you're gonna pick up this coffee mug you're gonna kiss this character <laughs> you know you just uh, sort of hopefully that's what it is hopefully you don't have a dumb actor who gets all excited about it <laughs> that's that's annoying <laughs> right and you've had to learn uh, a lot of things i remember when you you told us i'm i'm gonna be an elf warrior a, a lot of actors Ooh. have to learn uh, interesting skills like did you have to learn archery and stuff for that i did like they had a guy there who taught me how to hold a bow and like taught me like like which fingers it goes between and like how you line it up and all that stuff. <clears throat> and can you still do it if I give you a bow and arrow? <laughs> oh, I can do it. I don't know if the arrow will leave the bow or hit the target, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know that's why we have good editors. <laughs> did you put? Did you put at the bottom of your headshot? You know, special skills. You're like horseback riding, archery. <laughs> yes, of course I can. Dragon killing. Yes, all yes. of it. Pretty much. Sure. Sure. Well, it's so, funny, like when you first start off, like we don't do this anymore, but like before, I don't know if people do this anymore, but there was like a special skills thing at the bottom of your resume. And I think like when I first started, I mean, I was like thinking of anything that I could do. Oh, I can roller skate. Oh, I, I'm a limbo champion. Like I would like think <laughs> of like anything, you know, maybe yeah. that'll be in the show. They need someone. Yeah. Well, sometimes you put something at the bottom that you think I could learn this in a week yeah. if I got the part. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah, sure. I know. Yeah. I, uh, volleyball. I know how to play volleyball. Oh, it's a volleyball we, movie. Okay. I can speak Spanish. I yeah. have spoken a lot of Spanish. So, yep. Spanish speaker. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, you, um, you've been in movies and in sitcoms. I was going to jump through a few of the sitcoms. I think people will mostly know you from Superstore, which you were on that pretty much. Was it for the whole run or it was you were pretty much a main character there? <laughs> you know, I started in season three and it was just supposed to be for a few episodes and then you know our good friend joel mccrary oh yes friend of the show too okay he taught me this this phrase it goes kelly they will keep hiring you if you're cheap and peppy so (laughs) i (laughs) that's what i was i was cheap and peppy and uh and so they kept me around and it was really fun so yeah i ended up doing i don't know how many i think like 24 or more than that episodes they ended up going all the way till the show ended with that one what a great run yeah it uh... was you know i love that show because i was a fan of the show before i even um got on it and i loved it because the characters were so colorful and big and fun, like laugh out loud, funny and outrageous, but still like, you're like, oh, I know, I feel like I know someone just like that, you know, like believable to a certain extent. So right. it was that really hard to capture mix of a great escape, like great entertainment. You're going to escape into the show, but also like really invest in um, the characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it's got that, uh, that Brooklyn nine, nine kind of uh, alchemy. Mm-hmm. Like the characters are big, but somehow you care about them. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and that's just a lot of funny people on that cast and and uh i'll also mention the x's which um you know T- tv land uh is that still a network i'm not sure but boy that, that is, was like their signature show that was a great question well so tv land for those who don't know used to be nick at night okay <clears throat> i remember that and they would show like the andrew griffith show and they would kind of their signature was like you picture like black and white shows from the 50s and then they decided to rebrand as tv land and their um motto was like laugh more i think so then they then they decided to um rework their network uh face to have like hey we're gonna do new uh sitcoms that feel classic but that feel classic so they started with hot in cleveland with betty white right and that kind of that was such a hit because you know betty white had just done that snickers commercial for the super bowl and so that kind of of course everyone knew her before but when she did that commercial for the super bowl people like betty white what is she doing these days oh she's on a show oh let's watch it so hot in cleveland became big so then tv land was like hey let's make a handful of these like classic sitcoms and so the x's was was one of those we had a live studio audience we had some funny actors who were like we had you know wayne knight from seinfeld and uh kristen johnston from third rock and um of course donald Faison from scrubs um so we had this great cast of characters and um and we did we did like 60 some episodes close to 70. Yeah, that was an and, amazing, uh, another oh, amazing run. It was great. I mean, I had both of my kids on that show. Oh. Um, but you know, TV Land um, decided they wanted to they wanted to reinvent themselves again, and so then they started to go. They had the show uh, Younger uh, with Sutton Foster on it, and then they wanted to do more single camera, edgy, edgy shows. So that's why they canceled our our show eventually. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. My dad still to this day is like, oh, they never should have canceled the X's. <laughs> I loved the X's. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get a sitcom up and running these days that like is genuinely like funny. Yeah. And well, I don't know why. I think I don't know if they just the network or the writers try to make this the characters too cynical. But like, you know, I was talking with Lloyd Schwartz, whose father did the Brady Bunch. Ooh. because I'm friends with him and I did a handful of theater for him and he goes you know you you cannot have a successful sitcom if there doesn't have heart in it like all the common denominator of all those sitcoms in the 80s is um you have to it's, it's like whether it be family or whether it be a group of people who are family even like friends and um I don't know it's just there's such like a anti-hero movement right out there now right that it's hard i think that's maybe why it's hard to make a a really good sitcom that people care about because nobody i don't know people are rarely writing like a truly like good person as the hero character do you find that to be true or is it well i think that you know you you talk about even the network it was on changed its brand a couple of times since you've been around and if you're in this business long enough you just have to learn that like as my wife vicky says even if you don't like the trends right now the pendulum will swing it will swing Mm. somewhere else uh we may be in a cynical time or we are in a time of a lot of pressures right now um, I personally hope we're, we're, we're swinging towards like optimism and escapism because we need it. Yeah. 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 Um, but you just have to live, live through it long enough till, till yeah. another cycle comes through, I think. I uh, think so. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, the sitcoms are comfort food. I think that's uh, part of it is uh, that you need the heart there because when I watch a sitcom, I'm watching it for different reasons than a snappy kind of, a uh, person in New York, single camera, show, you know, like some of that or a drama. I'm yeah. watching it for a different reason. And, and I do watch it for a, just a big <clears throat> hug at the end of my day. I yeah. Think. And I think you I think there is for sure like a chemical release, like when you laugh. Yeah. And, you know, even though, of course, as a comedic actor, you never want to try to be funny. You have to understand the goal is to allow the audience to you know give that audience that relief by, through laughter and i think if you can set up in your situation 
that this character is waiting in the room and someone else just walks in the room and you are like, oh, this will be good, you know, Ready? and you're going to wait and see what happens and laugh that that's success. That's, you know, that's what you're hoping for is that the situation itself is funny. Um, and then yeah. if you have excellent writers and that's just icing that they can, you know, kick it up here and there, but well, right. And the cast you had around you on, um, on, 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 on most of the successful things you've been on, you know, they're all people that know about that alchemy. They know we got to set this up and then we're all going to react to what we're setting up. We're not, we're not winking at the camera. We're not acting like it's funny. We are mm -hmm. desperately trying to get through this situation. That's already <laughs> funny. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I even remember I, I, there were things that I, I forgot and I'm just kind of looking through some things you'd, you'd been in, uh, romantically challenged. That was one that did not last very long, but again, you worked with legends. You worked with like Alyssa Milano and one of my favorites who most people might not know, but Kyle Bornheimer, I just think is one of the funniest guys. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was crazy. That was, I was coming off of two and a half men and then I got cast as Alyssa's, uh, sister on that one. And then um, they initially hired Eric Christian Olsen in it. And then for some reason, they decided to replace him. So we were kind of sitting on sitting on it for six months after shooting the pilot. Wow. Um, and you'd think, oh, man, poor Eric. But he went on to be like the lead of some like NCIS something or other. Maybe it was a CSI. And so he's yeah. doing fine. I think it was uh, CSI Fort Wayne. I think they got that one going. Wait, maybe really? It's, maybe it's CSI Tallahassee. I don't know. Just pick a pick a city. Oh yeah, seriously, CSI Disney World. No, <laughs> so, CSI so, DeKalb, Illinois, is where yeah, it is. Exactly. Um, and then who did they? Oh, and they got Josh Lawson, who's an Australian actor. He's Australian. They got him to come in. But yeah, then they only ended up doing um, six episodes of that. But yeah. Is it yeah. hard for you to do that where you, you meet a new cast, you're like, well, we got to be a family. We got we to gotta work together and, and really click. And then you're, you're emotionally kind of on, on eggshells till you get the pickup, till you know you're going to go on. But you have to I kind of mean, invest. You do, it's, that's the hard part of being one, one of the hard parts of being an actor. Everybody's job in this world is hard. I'm not saying we have it harder. But a unique hard part of being an actor is – I think you do have to like emotionally invest and you have to invest with your time and you have to invest with your heart in order for like, for it to be like real and raw. Um, yet at the same time, you also have to understand, yeah, it's just a business. And ultimately you're selling a product that for someone else to make money on, you know, you get a piece of it, but it's someone else's product. And so you have to keep that in, in mind. You know, it's, it's always funny. It's always like, this is so funny, but it, it's always like, if you're doing a pilot and there's like either one person who's like crazy or there's <laughs> an issue, usually those are the ones that go. And it's the pilots that you're like, guys, we are going to miss each other. This is the best time. There's been no problems. And Edward's like, nah, we don't want it. <laughs> Man, how, it's it's so hard because it, I don't know how you to be healthy in this business. Do you have to like flip a switch when you walk into work and invest during the time you're at work and then flip that switch off to go home to your family and not like sit by the phone and go, I hope they pick it up because you can kind of like, you know, wreck yourself with the highs and lows of that emotion. Oh, I just it's like that with every audition. I mean, I it, well, and the irony of it is the more I let go of how much I want it, the, the better I do. Like, I can't tell you the number of now we're doing these self-tape auditions where oh. I'm taping it in my own house. And by the time I do it, it's like 930 at night. <clears throat> my kids are in bed. My husband is my reader. Um, I try my best. I like to, you know, practice it and this and that. And like crickets, like I turn it in and it's like, you just don't hear back or you hear like, it was great. And then like literally the one that I got that I'm like, oh, I will never get cast on this show. Let me just read it here. Record me. Let me just read it. I got it. Wow. So it's, I don't know. I mean, you can kind of relate it to, I mean, I've been married for, I don't know how many years since 2005. So what is that? 17 years. Sure. And, but back when I was dating, 
you know, they say like auditioning is a lot like dating. Like if you show up to the date and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope he likes me and I'm going to get to, I'm going to get dressed up and I'm going to do my hair perfectly. And I'm going to like try on my best behavior and like just plan everything out. Like they're like, Ugh, no, <laughs> too desperate. But if you like happen to meet somebody and you're in your sweats at the grocery store and you strike up a conversation, like, I mean, I guess here's my, here you seem, I don't know. There's like a, I, you know, I don't think I'm desperate, but I do feel like it's weird. Like the more I yep. want something, the less likely they are to want me. It's so, so crazy. And then yeah. you have to turn that part of your brain off. And I will, I will confess that I met my wife when I gave up. I just <laughs> gave up on meeting anybody. I said, that's it. And, uh, and then I met her and then our first date it is a long story, but, but you know, mi uh, miscommunication about whether or not we were going out on a particular night. So finally she was kind of fed up and she was already in her sweats and a t-shirt. She was like, well, we can go out right now. And I was like, okay. And so it was, <laughs> our first date was like, she had no hair and uh, makeup <sighs> done. And, um, it was, you know, not, it was the anti-date almost. Gosh. Um, and that's how sometimes it, it will happen. It's so, I guess I, you know, I don't know why that is, but it really, it really is that way. <laughs> Um, and, and you, you just kind of have to keep honing your, your craft as an actor and just kind of be ready for the opportunities. I think I can equate it. I didn't do much auditioning. Uh, uh, it was abysmal what I tried, but the, I can equate it to pitching as a writer. And, and again, I've had to temper my efforts. Like I used to mm. get, I used to get a pitch ready for months and I mm -hmm. had original artwork and I would bring puppets and I'd be like rehearsing mm. it. And it's just like, and then if they go, nah, we don't want it. Um, so now it's like, okay, two to three weeks while I'm doing other things, I'm going to get this pitch ready because, uh -huh. you know, it's just like, there's a, there's a point where it's like, if you invest too much and you don't get it, you, you resent the time you spent on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I will say, I want to leap ahead to, to horrible bosses too, because you are, you, you begin that movie. You are the person in the first scene of that movie. And you are working with like four of my all-time favorite comedic, oh, like of all same, time. Same. Let's run down the list here. It's you next to Keegan Michael Key, and then we pan over, and, and there's there's the three leads: Charlie Day, Jason Sudeikis, and Jason Bateman, and and you guys all do a scene together. Yes. That's a good day. I I would hope. I was in heaven. I literally was laughing during the shooting because they were so freaking funny and uh i mean also extremely nice dudes like that's nice just the greatest funny off screen very welcoming very inclusive it was just it was so funny well oh I, you know and i'm trying to think about when that came out but all four of those guys have gone on to direct and produce and run their own shows they're, they're all four of them are like little empires now mm, as far as like yeah. you know, from ted lasso to ozark like yeah it's it's interesting that the nice guys uh it's nice to know that the nice guys uh, get things done sometimes <laughs> yeah you know i think they are great to work with you know and so people want to continue to work with them and then for them so i'm i'm glad for that we watched that we watched ozark and we did watch ted lasso as well oh my gosh yes we're addicted um but i mean backing up to like wayne knight i mean you know joel told me the story of of, of his his days on the seinfeld set and i said joel you are part of history yeah. i mean uh those people wayne knight uh uh mark mckinney uh, on superstore like uh, one of the kids in the hall that to say that you acted with one of the kids in the hall is it's like monty python or something so it's <clears throat> it's it's a you know, I, I'm sure that some days you're just like, where do I stand? What is my line again? But, you know, uh, I guess you, you you have to say that there are sometimes there are days where there's a little island of, wow, I get to work with that person today. Yeah, for sure. And Horrible Bosses was definitely, definitely that because those guys are just so funny. Oh, now you're like, so Horrible Bosses 3, we develop my character. I'm uh, the morning <laughs> girl, the morning reporter. And I go on an adventure and you guys kidnap me or something. Yes. You yes. I think Sean Anders was the director of that. And I do. I, ha I do have a funny idea for a movie. And I ran into him at an event. And I was like, Sean, I got this idea for a movie. I'm going to email you. He was like, email me. And then like, I never did. Oh, but you got to do that funny idea for a movie you got to do that 
I know. But you know what's preventing me? I'm like, but all I have is like the idea. Like I don't even have like a thought out like log line, you know. <laughs> you just have the one <laughs> sentence. Yeah, yeah. It's about this. You'd be like, and yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you improv, you can just be like, yes, and your way through the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, and you know, and we've, we've talked a while before saying now I I'm trying to rack my brain, but I believe on hoodwink, you may have been the first voice of red riding hood in the, in the days when we were attempt recording things. Yeah. So that was a, that's a fun story because I, maybe it was just like a couple, a couple lines for little red, but yeah. then, but then the part that I actually booked was schnitzel kid. Yes. And thankfully I did get brought down to Schnitzel Kid because when Anne Hathaway came in, she she took over for whoever actually got Little Red. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was Tara Strong. We worked with uh, uh, Tara Strong, who's kind of like uh, an MVP in the voiceover world. It, it, it happened for a lot of the, the cast. We got like incredible voice actors who have been in like 50 things. And yeah. They're all leads in voice actor world. And then you move into like movie star world. And that's where Harvey yeah. Weinstein started cherry picking all the names he could. Aye. And, uh, I, you know, Joel, Joel McCray, our, our friend, Joel McCray, he was the chief of police. I had to call my own friend and go, uh, I'm recasting you. Yeah. Yeah. That's not easy. I'm, I'm glad you're a schnitzel kid though. Um, yes. You've played a lot of children because you are the size of a child. And the voice of one as well. Right. right. You're a, uh, <laughs> You're a small person. You're not yes. a bit, you're not a little person, but you're a small person. Right. I'm a little person, but I'm not a little person. Right. <laughs> right. My but however, when my whole family, when all the stables get together, you wouldn't think I'm little. Oh. We're just a small people. <laughs> you're a tiny people. You guys all live in mushrooms somewhere on the edge of the forest. Don't you? Well, trees, but yeah. we have friends that do live in mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, I see. Mm -hmm. um, we make cookies, you know. Now, what is the, you talk about your family. Well, like, like, were you always doing this since you were a kid or what, what does your family, your extended family, people that are not living in LA all around you? I, I think when you're in LA, it's like, oh, everybody does this. But do you have family that don't quite understand what you do oh, for a living to this day? Or Like 100%. And they never will. <laughs> um, my dad and stepmom were, I just drove them to the airport this morning. They were visiting and he still is like, I had a voiceover job this morning. He's like, now I don't understand who got you this job. And I'm like, are we really gonna? And like, my son has been like starting to audition and he's like, so now what did he, what did you have to do? And I'm like, he did like, they, no matter how, and my husband is a talent manager. Yeah. So no matter how many times I try and tell them how it comes down, like how the roles become available, how they submit, how they get picked, how we get the audition, how we show them the audition. They don't, they don't, they don't, it's just, they don't understand. <laughs> they don't get it. I mean, still like, you know, my mom, when she was here, would be like, I just saw Julia Roberts in a movie and, you know, you should be her, you should play her like niece or something. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I should. I never, you know what? I'm going to go down to the office yeah. where they where you apply for that, and I'm yeah. going to tell them. Yeah, I should call her. Let me call her and give her that idea. So they don't get it. They don't yeah. get it. But it's, somebody you know. will, yeah, somebody will say, why don't you do a movie like blah, blah, blah? I'm like, I don't know. I Maybe I'll just go. Let me let me get to that next week. Yeah. There's a our, million our, things why I can't do that yet. My favorite is people, will, like someone will be like, find out I'm an actor and they'll, like, who's not from Los Angeles? They'd be like, "So, what have you been in?" And I'll be like, oh, "You got to name, well, you got to name your resume." This too. and you know this. I'm like, "No, I didn't see it. I didn't see that one. Never watched that." I'm like, "Ah, I'm going to sit here and start telling you." Like, and then, then, like, then you're thinking, "Are you thinking like, like oh, what am I doing now? Am I auditioning for you? To, yes. Is my like, goal to, to make sure you're impressed?" Yes. Yes. You know, people are fun. Well, you know, even if they haven't heard of some of the things like uh, that's why I opened with uh, you being in the ring, because the ring, again, is iconic. It's like an iconic. It's like saying you're you were in the uh, uh, Friday the 13th movie or something. It's probably bigger than that because they didn't make 100 of them. Um, surely people have heard of that. Well, but fortunately, I don't look like that character. Right. But you know what I do get when I travel outside of California is people are like, you look just like that girl from two and a half men you sound just like her 
<laughs> and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And depending on the day, you either say, I am her or thank you. <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Uh, what is what is uh, the most fun for you? I know you you were saying that day on Horrible Bosses. That's a that's a film shoot, which is a lot of sitting around. I'm sure you were uh, shooting the breeze and having a lot of fun with uh, uh, the cast. But it's like you just shoot it in tiny pieces, or you roll for you know you have a really good hour, and then you're like two hours of nothing again. And then a sitcom, I guess with you know that's I've been that's been described to me as more like theater, especially with the audience that you roll through a lot of scenes uh, in whole cloth. But yeah. what do you, what do you, what is the thing that if you could do more of, what is the thing you love the most as an actor? Um, I, well, I, I started in theater and it, and it, you were definitely right. It is a lot. Sitcoms are a lot like that, especially when you, you do have a live audience. Um, it, you know, so I, I do love that. And I, I am more lighthearted than I am dramatic even a dramatic situation I could find something inappropriately funny about it uh, in most situations and so I love to laugh and I always love to um, uh, hear other people laugh and so I I think that's if I had to pick one I mean I there's such a magic in that but you know also the superstore did not have a you know audience that was a single camera and so that was really funny because the because you're you know you can be up close next to another character and and um you know you don't have to have that i don't want to say projection but it's you know the cameras are up closer so you can have more intimate funny moments as opposed to broad funny moments yeah you kind of have to dial it up or down knowing what uh what the camera's capturing because it does seem like in sitcoms it is very theatrical i mean i mean even on you know like if you're watching Two and a Half Men or if you're watching, uh, uh, you know, whatever sitcom you, you put in this sentence, everybody kind of enters a room in a way that is very presentational. Mm-hmm. I just got a ticket on my car or whatever it is. Um, and, and in Superstore, you know, you might just kind of pull somebody aside and it's almost like a mini movie. Yeah, it's like it's like the the audience is closer, like the audience gets to take part in a single camera, kind of take part in intimate conversations Whereas the um, audience in a sitcom is noticing the whole, you know, living room. Yeah. Um, I remember something you had said years ago at a, I don't know if we were at a, a, a um, one of those, not a workshop, but like those, um, gosh, what were they when we would get together and like, like. Yeah, like a workshop, I guess. I guess so. The retreat. Yeah. And, and you were saying like, you know, hey, like just because the camera's. Like, let's say there's so when you were shooting like a two person scene, and this would be more in, in a single camera. And like, let's say you and I are doing a scene and we're doing like, it's like a two shot. Like, just because, you know, I'm talking, of course, the camera's still going to pick up, you know, your reactions. And um, I was so new. I remember when you told me that, I was like, oh my gosh, I, that really allowed me to remember, like, hey, like, just because you're not speaking in the scene, you're still, you're still on. And I remember you saying like a lot of times when you edit, you will use the other person's reaction during the other person's dialogue. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. Mm-hmm. So I remember I, I was like, I wanted to tell Corey that I've always remembered that. Oh my gosh. I, you make me sound so brilliant. <laughs> um, the, well, you know, some of my favorite moments in sitcoms like, uh, oh, new girl, man, they will punctuate what is written and spoken by another character with, with a, a reaction from the character listening to me will make me laugh way more Um, than the words. There'll be a punchline and then you, you cut to the person across the room who kind of raises their eyebrow and gives a little, "Ah, that sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just ups the, the whole scene. I love that stuff. Well, good. Well, you know, I I've seen you do it. I've seen you react. (laughs) It's all, it's all credit to you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, what are you, uh, what are, uh, do you like voiceover acting? You said you just had a, a voiceover uh, gig this morning or audition? Yeah, I, it was just a little two-hour job. I, I enjoy it. It, it definitely helps um, allow me because it, it's, it's still a great paycheck and it's fun. And I have found my little niche by, by like sounding like younger. Um, um, but I, I, I enjoy it. It's a, I enjoy the people I get to work with and, um, you know, it also helps like 
you know, pay the bills in between my on-camera gigs. So it keeps my improv skills sharp. And but is there more of a demand for improv, especially I know you've done loop group stuff where you, you just got to make stuff up sometimes just to fill. Yeah, most of, of the some... time. Yeah, I mean, I always, always will um, honor the script because I think a lot more time has been put into this the script, getting it written than it has for me, you know, reading it. But uh, and then sometimes, you know, directors are like, hey, let's do like a fun run or let's, you know, we can kind of dance around a little bit. But I always start with what's usually, usually I start with what's on the script because that's just yeah. how I work. And that's also in sitcoms, <clears throat> especially working with Chuck Lorre. Like you better not, well, at least my experience with Chuck uh, was you have to say what's on the page. Like don't try and be funnier than <laughs> The writing, you know, don't well, get offended up my writing. by that. Yeah, well, Some writers get offended by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's a certain amount of trust that after a while, uh, um, you know, I, I had heard from our another mutual friend, Troy Norton, who was on Friends for a couple episodes, and he said, you know, that cast by that point they were kind of running the show. I mean, they were the the shepherds of their characters. So they would have input like, I don't think my I think the line would be this. And, you know, there's a little dance there, I think, once once the show becomes a huge. Hit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The transition of of power, for sure. <laughs> and that's true, too, because they have lived in those those characters. I mean, I whenever I do a run of a play where I've lived in this character or like Superstore, I've done this character for a long time. Like when the show ends, I I miss that person. Like I I miss I just miss her. <laughs> well, you've spent more time with that character than mm -hmm. the writers who come and go or the directors who come and go. You are the character. So I think at a certain point, you, you can earn that. Yeah. And with TV, the directors do come and go. Like a director will come in for an episode. And um, especially right. with like Superstore, they there was always rotating directors. Now for the exes, we had the same director. And um, for Romantically Challenged, it was the same director, which was uh, Jimmy Burroughs, which is like the oh, best, gosh, the best. Amazing. But so another, he did, another legend you got to work uh, yeah, with. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what was unique about him was most of the directors, when you work on a sitcom, were watching the monitors um, in Video Village to see what the audience will see. But Jimmy wouldn't watch the monitors. He would go and he would be in front of us. Um, wow. and he wouldn't be in them and he would kind of hear what we did and he would occasionally look up at what we did but for him it was all like he would trust that the camera guys were getting what they needed to yeah. um, and he would occasionally look at the monitors like during a run through to make sure that he would get certain things um, but he would for the most part be in front of us as we were doing it and he would listen to it and look up occasionally at us oh um, that's great it's such a rhythm thing for him yeah, he's more about the performances and, and the actors. Uh, uh -huh. I'm sure he's done it long enough that he's like, yeah, tight, tight, wide, wide, tight. Yeah, let me just get with the actors who are going to deliver the joke now. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm sure he, too, could have his pick of the litter for cameramen and, you know, ADs to know that, okay, they're going to run that. They're going to run that technical ship exactly how it needs to be run. So, yeah. Um, I don't want to let you get out of here without telling me some crazy story. Now, I know, you don't have to name names if it was a disaster with an, uh, a movie star, but I, I would love to know if you have any crazy stories on the set or in an audition that uh, that maybe we could go out with. I don't know if you got anything. Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know if you know about my role as Rocky the Cave Boy on Cavemen. No, oh, you know what? I do remember seeing a credit for Caveman, <laughs> but I do not know what that credit means. Oh, well, I played a prepubescent cave boy on the short-lived series Cavemen. And that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And thank God the show canceled before they asked me to start recurring. <laughs> because that would be like you're in makeup every day to be in Yeah. And, a and I was like, dressed up like a boy <laughs> with facial hair and braces and like bandaged areas that allowed me to be womanly. Those were not show. Like it was, but the funny thing was like my husband came to set and he was like so proud of me. And I have this picture of him and me like on set and I'm like, I feel so unattractive and gross. And he has this big smile with his arm around me like, this is my girl. 
I'm like, oh my gosh. That's yeah, but so you were probably like, hey, I've been I've been an ape already. This is just a small leap. This is part of the evolution. You right. Know I mean? <laughs> right. I can see we need to we need to have a little framed picture that has you evolving from an ape to a cave boy <laughs> to Samara. She's crawling, you know, she's out of the well, so she's crawling. And then yeah. you stand up and you're a young woman. Fine. Yes, yes, yes. Kelly and Superstore with her golden vest. It just yeah. <laughs> um so what are you looking towards in the future here what can people look do you have anything coming up that is like i know it's hard sometimes to say that something's going to go or continue on but have you done anything recently that you're excited about that's new so i'm in the middle of shooting a movie right now um called it's a christmas movie and it's called holiday T right now it's called holiday twist Okay. And uh, I'm playing this kind of grinchy workaholic CEO um, whose world comes crashing down on me. And I sort of am at my don't know what to do. And I come across this dime store, Santa Claus, who <clears throat> has a little bit of magic to him, but he's also overcome a bunch of obstacles and kind of teaches me to be the light in the world where no, where there's darkness. And so I'm like, what is this all about? Maybe I'll try this way of being and um, kind of confront some like tragedy from my past, which helps you understand why I am the way I am. And I kind of turn things around and attempt to <clears throat> make Christmas beautiful again. It and sounds like you are the lead in this. I'm the lead in it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And, yeah. it's, and it sounds like there's going to be a twist. There's a little twist. Yeah. And it's called A Christmas Twist. When When, when is that going to come out? You know, so... I'm just we, kidding. It's Christmas, right? <laughs> um, next Easter is what we're hoping oh, for. Marketing yeah. people have yeah. done it again. <laughs> well, that's the twist. Well, but it's is it is this part of a, a particular network's uh, Hallmark run? Or is this... Uh... So Lionsgate is hoping to give it a theatrical release. Oh, wow. um, we, we will be... We will be cautiously optimistic that that happens and grateful if it does and just enjoy the work in the meantime so it's it's lots of fun um neil mcdonough is in it brian thomas smith from big bang is in it nice. hugh sheridan plays my husband there's a big saint bernard dog there's a magical <laughs> sleigh ride that the dog flies um so, we'll so, see, so in know. the middle of the heat, you are going to a, a place of fake snow every day. And well, kind of... it fortunately it takes place in L.A. So oh, okay. there's not too much. Um, there's not too much snow. You but do get to look at Christmas decorations all day, though. That's got to be did. Yeah. So that was fun. So we're kind of in the middle of shooting that. And that's been that's been loads of fun. That's cool. That's yeah. great. And uh, are you out there if somebody wants to give you a shout like on uh, what Instagram or social media or anything? Yeah, so I basically the best place is Instagram, which is just my name at Kelly Stables. And that's the best. I have a friend who's really good at TikTok and she's like, Kelly, you need to do TikTok. I'm like, I just I don't think I don't know. <laughs> it's exhausting. Just, come on. Yeah. I'm just waiting. I I you know, by the time I adopt any of these, I've been on Twitter for a while, but it's like I'm just every time I turn around, it's like you got to do bleep blop. I'm like, what's bleep blop? Oh my gosh! You put your finger in your ear and you uh, yeah. you stare into this bright light and it sends it right to someone's brain. Yes, we're bleep all blop. doing bleep blop. Bleep blop. I, I don't even know. I I was I've I've said I could walk into Starbucks talking to my thumb and people would be like, oh my gosh, he's got the thumb app. I just saw it. You, yes. I could just make something up. You and people like probably wouldn't think that's weird. Yeah. Well, look, everybody can look for you on uh, Instagram and on Bleep Blop when it becomes available. <laughs> um, this has been really fun. Uh, thank you for talking to me. And uh, I hope that the Christmas uh, twist is twisty and it comes out wide in theaters. Oh, thanks, Corey. Thanks for having me. It's so great to catch up with you. Yes. Oh, likewise. Well, that is our show for this week. I'd like to thank my guest, Kelly Stables. I gotta say, she was cheap and peppy. Uh, I don't think of you as cheap and peppy. Uh, that just it makes it sound like you're, you're a chipmunk or something. You're, no, you're wonderful. Uh, thank you, Kelly.
and I can't wait to see the next stuff that you're in. And um, I'd like to thank my son, Elliot, for sharing a little bit with us. And now I hope you all want to go watch Gravity Falls, because you should. And uh, I guess I, you know what's funny? I started this show talking about snake oil and selling funny products, and we ended the show talking about Bleep Blop, the new app that helps you communicate with people that nobody knows about yet. See, that's what you call full circle. That's what you call in the improv business, in the comedy business, a callback. We circled back now, so uh, go out, download Bleep Blop, um, and uh, uh, send me $15. That's what it costs, because I'm a snake oil salesman. But I hope you're staying creative, and I hope you'll join us next week. Uh, that's it. I'm Corey Edwards. Thanks for stopping by.